0: This is episode number 69, Using Creative Outlets to Deal with Pressures of Life, with David Frangioni. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a brief announcement and invite all of our listeners to our upcoming event in New York City called Pain to Power. This is a chance for you to join a community of other change makers for a day of connecting, learning different strategies and tools for personal transformation, and being a part of breakthrough sessions to help you share your story. For more information, please go to overcomingodds.today forward slash from pain to power. Now, let's get back to our guest. What do you do when the odds are completely against you? He said, just after being introduced to the drums, I was diagnosed with retinoblastoma, which is a rare form of eye cancer. It required that in order to save my life, they had to remove my right eye. So I've been blind in my right eye ever since. What they did is put a removable prosthetic in the socket. And in addition to that, when a surgeon was doing the operation to remove my eye, he made a mistake. And it happened so many times in operations like this. And he clipped the muscle in my eyelid. So I grew up with my lid half closed, without eyesight in my eye and a lot of hospital visits. Without further ado, please welcome David Frangioni. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Ads Podcast. Today's guest, his name is David Frangioni. He's a music businessman, technologist, and entrepreneur joining us from Florida. David, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Great to be here.
0: Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, the reason why I connected with you was because I was very fascinated by your story and the topic that you chose to live your life according to and that is escapism and, and really living a life that you want to live and as I mentioned earlier I was having a conversation with a friend of mine a couple of days ago and he had mentioned the story of how he actually had to make the sacrifice of leaving his family in order to live the life that he wanted to live because a lot of the things for him were predetermined and so I wanted to get into this topic with you and really better understand why did you choose that life back then and why are you choosing that life now?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's a deep, great question. Um, if we start at the beginning, right, let's, let's put the context in uh, of, of my life and we start where the story really began um, before I was even born mm-hmm. because my parents – Um, were married for many, many years, over 10, 15 years, and they couldn't have children. And there was no reason why they couldn't have children that the doctors could figure out. Then all of a sudden, my mom thought she had a tumor in her stomach. She went to the doctor, found out she was pregnant with my older brother. Um, So that, you know, he became like a miracle to them, as you would imagine, after all the years of trying and not being able to have kids and not have a reason why. Then three years later, they had me. And um, and so now they had two children, they weren't able to have any others, but they were you know, just over the moon that they had a family, that they had mm-hmm. these two boys, my brother and myself. Then, right around age two, my my being age two, I, for some reason, and, and I they're not here any longer for me to ask, but I started playing the drums. They got me like a toy drum set. There's a picture of me at 18 months old <laughs> crawling through the front of a bass drum head right after I had just annihilated the drums. Uh, and who knows why that happened, it's some somewhere in my calling that that occurred. And then around age two, just after being introduced to the drums, I was diagnosed with retinoblastoma, which is a rare form of eye cancer. And it required that in order to save my life, they had to remove my right eye. So mm-hmm. I've been in my right eye ever since. What they did is they put a removable prosthetic in, in the socket. and in addition to that, when the surgeon was um, doing the operation to remove my eye, he made a mistake, um, and it happens sometimes in operations like this. They're obviously working very tight quarters, uh, and it's dark, et cetera. And this is 1969, and he uh, he clipped a muscle in my eyelid. So I grew up in my you know my really young years um, with a lid half closed. Uh, without eyesight in my right eye, and um, and a lot of hospital visits, and the bottom line is there was a lot of trauma,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that trauma was new to my whole family. Uh, we didn't really know how to deal with it, um, and I had no, you know, awareness of just how deep that trauma really was running. But what I did, and this is where I think you know, it's a blessing, it's the support and love of my family and my faith. Um, is I found music, I found drumming, I found collectibles. I don't, I can't tell you why, because I'm five, six, seven, eight years old. I just know that I found them in a way that was so important to me. They were such an important escape, and they were relatively healthy outlets, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if, we, if we fast forward through my life, I've never had a drink, I've never done, had a puff of a cigarette. Puff of marijuana or any kind of drug, so I have been completely clean living uh, of any of those vices, thank God, and even to the point where I haven't even tried them. So
0: that's I impressive. Think, wow!
1: I think, well, especially being in rock and roll my whole life, mm-hmm. right? It's not by a lot of people who have uh, indulged in them. So I think that. that's um you know obviously it was children all the time, time. and really you know lessing and that's how it started that's that's the those are the beginning roots
0: mhm would you say that a lot of those creative outlets were the primary ways that you were able to deal with some of the trauma that you experienced
1: uh the, well absolutely the the escape into those outlets were extremely important because not only did they fulfill a purpose that I wasn't even aware I had at that age especially but they were very fulfilling, very nurturing. There was so much for me to learn all the time, so I never ran out of steps to take. So it was very self-fulfilling in terms of of kind of seeing a, as I went along that I was making progress and I was learning a lot and I was kind of it was just a lot of inspiration really. Um and that was, you know, that was extremely important.
0: Mhm. You mentioned earlier before we actually started recording the importance of making sacrifices. And, you know, as part of that, there are obviously various degrees of it. What I've learned as someone who's in a similar pursuit of living out a story that I wanted to live, and that is really just serving other people of similar backgrounds and experiences. The question that comes to mind is, what are some of the sacrifices that you had to make along the journey? Because I'm sure as you know, there's no blueprint to the life that you chose. It's not like you can go on Google and say, okay, this is how you be David for the next 50 years. <laughs> and it gives you a step-by-step process. So sure. You, I'm sure you had to make um, face difficult times as part of that. So how do you, how did you face those and where did you find the inspiration and motivation to really just keep going every single day and knowing that this is the life I chose and this is the life that I'm going to continue living regardless of what's in front of me right now?
1: Well, uh first of all, um, you know, my, my whole life, I've, I've always had a lot of faith. Um, in my case, you know, I've, I believe in God. I'm, I'm very much a believer in faith in the universe. Um, you know, that's always conspiring for us and not against us. Uh, but it has not been easy. You know, we had very, very limited means. I wouldn't call us poor, but I would call us, um, you know, working class struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, My parents saved, so they were always able to be in at least a place where we, you know, we had the necessities. We, you know, we had a a home and we had, you know, heat in the winter. I'm from Boston, so it gets very cold there. Um, And, you know, we had we had one car and we, you know, was always used. You know, my parents bought a three thousand dollar used car. That was a big deal. So that's kind of the context. So I I grew up with um, having to imagine what a better life would look like. Not Mm -hmm. that I didn't have the love that I could ask for. I had more than I could imagine in terms of love and support. But my parents, their goals were to raise the family and have a safety net and work a blue collar job and and just very much kind of a post-depression mindset. And they did it as well as anybody but I just aspired for so much more. I just had such a burning drive inside of me that I wanted to make a mark on the world. I wanted to do what I love. I wanted to work with my heroes. I wanted to be able to do things that I would get to a level where I could actually give back and um, and not just be trying to make ends meet. I just mm-hmm. did a much bigger life for myself. And believe me, that was fantasy land where <laughs> I came from. Uh, and, and, you know, my dad was a meat cutter. My mom was a housewife and legal secretary. Um, they, they didn't make much money. So I, I didn't have the guidance from a business standpoint. Uh, and certainly from any kind of connections in the entertainment business or any business. Um, I didn't have any of that. So everything had to start from scratch. And, um, and I just had a drive that was so burning that, I worked every single day. And I remember really a pivotal time when I was around 12 years old and I had already been taking drum lessons. My parents saved up and got me a used uh, Rogers drum kit that they surprised me with. Uh, when you're an Italian in Boston, everybody knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. <laughs> so knew some guy and they were able to scrape together a couple of hundred dollars and get me a used real drum kit as opposed to just playing phone books and whatnot and practice pads so that was a huge moment i was around eight years old so for three or four years i just played them as much as i could drove everybody crazy <laughs> would play with towels on the drums because you know we're in a neighborhood no one wants to hear this kid bang his mm-hmm. so it was uh you know it was just even then i was i was relentless but around 12 i remember the summer came and um my mom and dad were just like, you know, David. You you gotta, you can't sleep late every day, and you can't just, you know, take it easy. And 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 in looking back, they were essentially saying you can't be a kid because I'm 12 years old. But they had this mentality of, of it was very loving, but it was like you gotta work. grow
0: up, mm-hmm. and you gotta
1: grow up, and you gotta if if you if all these things that you talk about and that you practice towards have any validity, you gotta put them into action. And I'm not and they weren't that eloquent in describing it, but the energetic was there. And I know I remember from that day, I I almost never took a day off from that day. And I just Mm. every day. And it was really the equivalent of chipping away where I would literally just, you know, whether I was practicing the drums and trying to be a great drummer um, and then started playing with bands Uh, and, you know, just, just worked at it every day. And then as my, um, my life was going on and I was just more and more and more and more focusing on playing, um, you know with anybody who would play with me and starting bands and playing in clubs i was booking the bands i was 15 years old i was (laughs) in the bands into clubs that we weren't even supposed to be in because you know the the limit then i don't know was 18 or 21 i don't remember but it was much older than i was and i was doing the booking i was putting the band together uh i just had this dream i was going to be you know a a really successful drummer and i I love playing the drums and i certainly did from that age right through today. Um, But I saw myself on the stage. But what was amazing about that is I also, as I was playing more and more and more, I also learned, and this is just like a lesson from doing it as opposed to, none of this is conscious at that time. But I learned how much I didn't like the music business. How Mm. much, didn't? and, and it's a business I've been in my whole life and it's been very good to me, but the aspect of it, of playing late nights, being up all night, traveling in the circumstances that you do in the business, relying on other members of the band, these things just instinctively didn't connect with me. I was like, wow, Like the, the lifestyle is really, really tough. Relying on other people as to whether I'm gonna be successful or not, no matter how hard I work, no matter how much I practice, it's mm-hmm. gonna be in the hands of the lead singer with a lead guitarist, uh, and, I, and I was able to, you know, you don't normally learn those lessons that young, so I was very blessed that I played so much and worked so much that I had a mature adult education at, as, a, as a young teenager. So mm-hmm. what happened is, I'm practicing, I'm playing, I'm just going full steam, but in my pursuit of that, I find technology. And technology in the early to mid '80s was very, very new, and it was being introduced as a component to drumming that uh, had never been previous to this on any kind of mass level, especially. And I saw, as much as I wasn't really into electronics to start with, I saw that this was a necessity. If I if I was going to really walk the walk of mm-hmm. being a drummer, I needed, you know, to understand modern techniques. So. I start pursuing drum triggering, and uh, you know all kinds of things to do with with electronic drums integrated with acoustic drums, and I find in very in a very very short period of time that I love it. Like this is so fascinating. This is this is like I was six, seven, eight years old, old all over again learning mm. drums and music, but now it's technology, and and the endpoint is infinite. And I fell in love with technology fused with drumming music in a way that ended up forming my entire life and career. And that's chapter one.
0: Hmm. I want to take a step back and really identify the influencers that you had in your life. And it sounds like a large portion of that was your parents.
1: It was for sure.
0: If you were given one word to describe either of your parents, what would that word be?
1: um, uh, selfless. Hmm. They were the most giving, loving, supportive people that you, you, it it would sound exaggerated if I told you even 5% of what they did for my brother and me. They were so, loving and giving and it wasn't i'm not just talking about the the material sacrifices of making sure that we had an education and clothes and all those things Mm -hmm. the love the support um the the wisdom um just having that security from your parents and especially in my case where i'm battling all these other things as a kid you know I'm mm-hmm. like kids are making fun of me every day and calling me names and you know people don't really you know girls don't give you a second look because you look you know you your face looks different um and and kids being kids or you know they can be cruel and my neighborhood was a little bit rough so you know everybody's kind of always testing you anyway never mind if you have something a little off uh physically so it was a, uh, you know, it was a, it was a rough circumstance um, that they created a, an amazing zone that I could just really have my escapism. But you think about we take, we touched on it a little bit. I was a collector, right? I was mm-hmm. a base card collector. Well how do you go to baseball card shows right they have these trade show baseball card shows all the time where you now they have them more often but then they had them like you know once a month once every few months and you'd go in and be like this basketball auditorium and there'd be tables set up all around and you'd walk around and you'd look at all the different cards and on the tables that people were selling or trading and um you know at 8 9 years old somebody had to drive me there mm-hmm. somebody you know maybe help me buy a couple of the cards if if we could you know if they were within the range of what we could afford and just all these different experiences that my parents just did time after time my, my mom said if you're going to play the drums you need to play piano too and I took some piano lessons and and she said well and you have to read music I don't want you to just be a drummer that just goes up there and plays how, whatever you feel there are mm-hmm. very successful drummers who do that but her mindset was, you know, you got, there's a path that you have to take. Um, and in her mind, education and proper learning was a necessity on, on any path, whatever it was. And you just plugged in whatever your specialty was. So in the case of drumming, she had me, you know, practicing and taking lessons in the school, which was free at that time Mm -hmm. in elementary school before we had the, the drum lessons when she bought me the drum set. Um, and she saw that I learned to read music um and you know, these things just serve you for your entire life being able to read music. I mean a lot of people in music technology, you know, can't read music and then play what's on the music mm-hmm. understand and you know that these are these are specialties and, and um aspects of your uh development that, you know, are unique. And so each lane that I pursued Uh, was you know and all of it being encapsulated within escapism each lane that i pursued they were just very supportive of not only by letting me do it and loving me through it but by giving me guidance to say okay if you're going to collect cards get the price guide learn what cards are what and like don't just go to the corner store and buy a bunch of packs so everything had this this component to it that made me Really advanced, and when that happens, you're pushing yourself to learn, 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 because now you have some formal education and and boundaries. So Mm -hmm. it's like through a college course that you know that you're just always being challenged. As opposed to they, they knew that if I just went and said, "Okay, I love baseball cards. I'm going to go buy some packs and trade them with my friends and put them in the spokes of my bicycle," Um, and you know, they knew that that would just burn out and it wouldn't really fuel Mm -hmm. anything. So Mm -hmm. they. you know they gave me that guidance so they and they did it at their own expense of their own life and time and that's why selfless describes them so well because they had a choice to either keep doing their own life and letting the kids just kind of be Mm -hmm. or give everything they had to their kids and saying kids first parents second and that was just uh the greatest gift a parent could give a child and i'm eternally grateful for them
0: i love those points because as you mentioned, them, it's making me reflect on the relationship that I have with my parents. And I think two things that stand out to this day is a, is a lesson that my dad passed on to me. So I, I was adopted at the age of 12 from Russia. And I came here. I didn't speak any English. I didn't know anything about this part of the world. And I remember one time we were sitting at our dinner table. And he, we were solving a math problem. And he had said, son, never say you can't do something in life. And to this day, through everything that I'm going through, I always go back to that moment. Whenever 12, something 12. seems impossible, exactly. Whenever it's, something seems like you can't accomplish it, it's like I'm going to accomplish it because I've done all the other times. And so, it's with huge.
1: it's huge, mm-hmm. and it, and it's a great point because the fact is, uh, what you learn from the people that matter the most to you, like mm-hmm. your parents does stay with you forever and isn't it amazing that a that a statement Mm -hmm. works right i mean it wasn't like he had to go do 25 push-ups as you were doing it (laughs) It just words, but they were so important to you coming from uh, such the the mentor and literally the father figure in your life they were so important to you that they fueled what has become a lifetime of achievements and perseverance Mm -hmm. and um and I just, and and the same thing, you're right. The same thing happened in my life. My parents would give me these, 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 this guidance. Well, I don't want to call them tidbits, but even though you could kind of describe them that way. They were, you know, but they were, they were points and they were philosophies. They were values that stuck with me forever. And, and when you describe, it, not it funny? When I was at 12, I remember my mom and dad, they, you know, your dad told you, you know, you can do anything you want and don't ever think that you can't, so don't stop. My parents told me, you know, work hard and don't stop working at it. Uh-huh. And I grew up fast at it. So we both kind of had turning point moments at 12, and I've never forgotten that. Um, in the last few years, I've refined it a little bit because I, I think not taking a vacation for 30-plus years wasn't necessarily <laughs> the route, but it all stemmed from that 12-year-old, you know, work and do it right or don't do it at all. And I grew up fast without even realizing, you know, I kind of skipped a childhood, uh, but it served me well in many areas going forward because I was able to, um, progress and, uh, and do it, you know, much earlier on than, um, otherwise.
0: Mm -hmm. Are there any elements of that childhood you wish you could relive? And it's not necessarily looking back at it as far as you know having any regrets um, because based on, I think, the way you describe it, it doesn't sound like you have any. And I, I believe in a similar uh, methodology, and that is, if you didn't have the experiences that you had, well, you wouldn't be who you are today. So right. it doesn't even make sense to go back in life and say, well, I wish I had that or I wish I had that. It doesn't but, make sense. Right. But do you think you maybe grew up a little bit too fast?
1: Yes. I do, and, and I think that the, the, to answer your question, the application of that philosophy of, you know, what would I do different, I can now apply in my life and to mm. the people close to me. That's how we, because we got to live it in the now. I mean, we right. go back for the sake of learning, mm-hmm. and absolutely one of the things I take from my youth um, was the fact that I did grow up too fast. I did skip over a lot of childlike experiences, um, and uh, you know there there was a better balance than I had, you know. But that's you know the. It's part of life. If it shouldn't have happened, it wouldn't have, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what happens happens because that's what's supposed to happen. I don't always know why in the moment. Maybe some things I'll never know why ever. But if they shouldn't have happened the way they did, they wouldn't
0: have.
1: Mm-hmm. i You know, we learn. We move on.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to take what's this conversation. Right? conversation to a slightly um, different direction that is what I've learned over time as someone who does um, choose to live out their own story and also listening and, and researching other people who have done similar things it seems that there's always a point within that person's life when they truly hit rock bottom before they're able to take that step of living that life that they're dreamed of for many, many years. Is that something that happened to you? Have you ever hit rock bottom? And if so, do you remember that particular moment?
1: I started at rock bottom. Okay. (laughs) So I really did. I mean, you, you have a, you know, I'm not, I I don't feel any sympathy for myself in the sense of like, you know, woe is me. um, And everybody should be sorry for me. Uh, It's not that at all, but um it's a, the reality is that i start you know i started at rock bottom and i've hit rock bottom throughout my life um you know and it never i don't think it ever stops i don't think rock bottom is something that just you you hit it you you bounce back and then you never see it again i i, I think life is rock bottom to unbelievable <laughs> unimagined peaks i don't believe mm-hmm. you know it's like it was in the past Right. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, wouldn't it be great if we only hit rock bottom once? <laughs> but but life doesn't work that way, you know. We we lose people we love uh, unexpectedly. We we have opportunities fall apart unexpectedly or expectedly. We have things not go the way that we planned, even if we had an amazing plan in front of us. So rock bottom is here to stay, unfortunately. Uh, but so aren't un- unbelievable peaks. And, uh, and, you know, in goals being achieved. So I, starting at rock bottom gave me um, a really kind of do it now. You know, the two things that, that rock bottom meets isolated, right? Being a kid mm-hmm. trauma that really, you know, needed to find nurturing and, and spiritual fulfillment. And again, not knowing any of this at that age, just knowing inside how I was feeling needed to find those things to stay alive and not, Mm -hmm. not be a drug addict or go to some other vice that just, you know, kept, kept me, you know, going. Um, and, and that was, you know, so it was rock bottom meets that created do it now. And, um, and you don't have anything to lose kind of mentality, which, Mm. which is not the best mentality as you grow older and wiser you realize that you do have a lot to lose so you do have to you know you have to balance that again but when you start when you're at rock bottom you don't really have a whole lot to lose um so you're more um you know if you're not naturally confident um Mm -hmm. not naturally ambitious and outgoing rock bottom tends to bring that out in people so it did in me and then i found that i I had that inside of me anyway, even when things were going great, I was still working as hard as ever. And I was still growing and learning and and adding elements to my pursuit of escapism um, and career, of course, because they are in parallel. And so, you know, I think that's what we have to be aware of is that, you know, when you hit rock bottom, you've got to, uh, you know, you got to stick with the perseverance and you've got to Uh, you know, find and and keep your faith and pivot, you know, the the worst thing you can do is the natural thing to do, which is deer in the headlights. You know, you hit rock bottom and you almost feel paralyzed because things just are not going the way you want them. And Mm -hmm. it could be a combination of things. It could be your health as part of rock bottom. It could be your career. It could be your family. It could be your love life. It could be a lot of things. And whatever those things are, you can't get stuck in it and you've got to, you've got to pivot and you've got to, and that's where strength comes in. People talk about strength. Rocky always said, it's not how hard you can hit. It's how hard (laughs) you get hit and still get up. Right. And that's what he's talking about is that strength for, uh, to know that, you know, I'm not staying on the mat. Um, and even if you're, even if you make it to your hands and knees, you're still not on the mat. Right. And then Mm -hmm. another step and then you like get just on your knees and then you take another step and you're standing up and you take another step and you're walking and like as long as you're just continuously getting pivoting and getting out of rock bottom you're going to eventually start to turn the corner and and you're right like rock bottom tends to flip to the great success you know they always say that you know the ship that found the gold was the only one that went through the fog and all the other ships got to the fog and, and were, you know, were burned out from sailing, you know, months Mm -hmm. and months. And they got to the fog Mm -hmm. and they just said, Oh, enough with this. And they turned around. And the one ship that went through the fog was a half a mile away from a lifetime of riches. Right. And, and I know these stories all sound so cliche, but the, the value of that story is that, you know, that you don't know when that, that bank of fog that leads to the riches, you don't know when it's, when that's the one. And
0: mm-hmm. the only way
1: you find it is to just keep going. Keep going. And, and the alternative is turning around and starting over something else. Well, if you're really passionate about what you do and what you're pursuing, don't turn around. The mm-hmm. only reason you should turn around is if you're going down the wrong path in the first place. If, if, you're, if the gold in this metaphorical story is your goal and is your passion realized, uh, then there's never fog that's thick enough to stop you. And that's Mm. been in my life. It's the turning around is when you finally hit enough obstacles that you go, you know, I'm done with this. Well, you're done with it because it's not your burning desire. It's not that important. You've been telling yourself that. But really what you've been telling yourself is if I find the goal, then that's it. But that's the shortcut. And that's. Mm -hmm. not the path that usually leads to where you want to go and that's where sacrifice comes back in which was one of your original questions is think about the sacrifice if you had been in the 1600s and your goal was finding this treasure chest and you're on the on your on the water for all those months and the sacrifice is unbelievable the conditions and the the you know the chance of being killed and you know between not having food and and the ocean and i mean we could go on and on and but you know, Columbus or whoever you want to use as an example, they find their goal, they achieve their goal, and they fulfill their mission because there wasn't anything that was going to stop them. And when, when I look at my own life, um, you know, I remember for my 20s and 30s, actually even my teens from that time I was 12 that I shared with you, anybody would invite me to a birthday party, bar mitzvah, wedding, even funeral – uh, you could count me out. I just worked and worked and worked. And, and there wasn't anything that I viewed more that was more important of my time than pursuing my goals. And that's an extreme approach. I realize that now, Mm -hmm. but, um, it was incredibly filled with sacrifice. I mean, it was endless sacrifices of personal life, of time for anything else of growing up, Even in having a childhood and then, uh, you know, an adolescence and, you know, all of that was just focused on career. So sacrifice to me is something that's probably defined more extremely than a lot of people would define sacrifice. But I can tell you that even if I had done sacrifice perfectly and I sacrificed enough to be successful, but not so much that I didn't have any other life, um, I still... It still would have been a lot and Mm -hmm. it still would have been more than most people uh, are willing to do. And so it's easy to see someone and and look at their success and say, oh my God, look at that car, look at that watch, look at that client list, whatever. Uh, But look at their sacrifice and then you'll really understand whatever else they chose to do when they achieved their goals. And that's what you need to see if you truly want to be successful.
0: You bring up so many good points. I think the first one to mention is the definition of success. I'm a huge believer that you get to define your success for yourself. There's no um, scripture. There's nothing that says this is what it means to be successful. True. And I think I'm, I'm very fortunate to be brought up by the parents that I have who have allowed me to really understand that you get to define what success means for you and you get to live that story. Right. Sounds like very similar to what you, you've experienced in your life. And the other part when, that you had mentioned is really just this mindset when it comes to facing adversities and um, channeling, channeling your energy to things that you want to focus on. And that is uh, recently I've come to this realization that in life, I believe we always live in the lack of and the abundance of. I think it's always at an equilibrium. And so it all goes down to which one do you choose to look at? And what you mentioned as far as experiencing the adversity and the moments where you did hit rock bottom, I think when you come, when you can come to a point where you can understand that, okay, so this is, and let it be what it is. And then you move on with the vision of the future. You know, you mentioned pivoting and getting back up. Getting on your palms, getting on your knees, getting on your feet. I think that's really what's important within that. And so, as part of that, it just makes me think that you are absolutely right as far as there's not a single moment where you do hit rock bottom. I mean, I think if you continue to learn and strive for more as far as reaching that purpose, you're always going to have those hops because those are the learning opportunities, they're not failures. They're not moments where it said, okay, David, you failed. This is it. No, it's just an opportunity for you to maybe take a step back and reflect and say, well, what could I have done differently? And what can I do differently moving forward? What can I learn from this experience? Really?
1: Well, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's something I've learned by doing it. So I know what works, right? I, I'm a big believer in evidence, right? Mm-hmm. So if I I experience these things and I make the pivots and I see the result, then I have the evidence to know that, okay, this is an approach that works. And, uh, without a doubt, uh, you know, it's easier said than done, you know, when you're in the moment of rock bottom, um, and that, that feeling of, of despair and that feeling of loss or whatever it is that, that's causing this, this feeling, mm-hmm. uh, it's really it's it can be really scary and overwhelming, um, so you do have to stay focused on abundance. When you talked about lack and abundance, and you know you get the one that you spend your energy on, that's that's a really important point for people to take away from this conversation, because it people say it's easier said than done, but it's actually as said and done. Yeah, yeah. you you really what you put your energy into. Um, you know, will be what you're manifesting, whether you realize it or not. So the more you you know, you focus on lack, the more lack you get. And um, so focusing on abundance is, is important and how counterintuitive that you're focusing on abundance at a point where all you see in front of you and feel is lack.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: it's actually what, you know, what's what you have to do. That's how it's one of the ways of how you pull yourself out of it. When mm-hmm. you say, OK, I'm on the mat, I'm going to get on my hands and knees, like I'm going to take these steps. Well, a lot of people say, OK, well, how? Well, the first way how is by focusing on abundance and focusing on the things that that are driving you, you know, mm-hmm. is it do you have to get up and and feed your family. I mean, I remember my dad lost his job uh, when I was just getting into high school and it was devastating. He had been at this job for 35 years um, and there were all kinds of politics at his job. And um, and they wanted him out because they wanted new people in. So they found a reason to get rid of him. After 35 years, he lost his pension. He lost all his benefits and he was delivering pizzas. And I was going around with him, helping him deliver pizzas in between practicing the drums and going to school and putting my bands together and selling baseball cards as the card king and all of these different (laughs) things I was doing Um, as a 13, 14 year old kid. And my family was so desperate like it was so devastating my mom had to go back to work she had to take two trains and a bus uh to, to in the them dead of the winter um uh, because my dad was doing his job he couldn't drive her to work and downtown it was far from where we were so she had to take all this public transportation it was hard as hell i mean it was really really hard and to watch them what they had to go through um and you know, we. It just. I saw how. You know, they just stayed focused on. Well, what was what was important to them? What got them off the mat? Because my dad was definitely hit hard, and 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 tumble to the mat. And what got him up? And what got him? You know, because he wanted to support his family, and it was so important to keep the house and and stay alive as a family, and you know, have not be out on the street. Um, that you know, he was delivering pizzas mm-hmm. and it was, it was degrading and he was a successful meat cutter. I mean, even though that sounds silly, but it was true. He was, he was like in, in the work at a commissary for the government and in his world, even though he didn't make a lot of money in, in that, in the ascension of that field, you know, he had a good stable job and to have the carpet pulled from under him, you know, that's what. It, that's what abundance looked like to him was being able to feed his family and not lose our house. And mm. um, at a time when, you know, it was, if he hadn't saved as they had and they hadn't sacrificed as much as they did for their children and for their family, when that rock bottom hit, um, and that was only one of many that we hit, but when that one hit, you know, we would have been out on the street.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, the, it's different, depending on the circumstance right but you can learn from this example Uh, even you know you could be a billionaire that just lost 980 million and you're and of your billion and still learn from the same lesson because you're still going to see you're still going to be confronted with the same situation like i've got to virtually do anything i can inside of me with the power that i have and the effort that i have and every little bit of what i have to get out of this and to to get back to wherever it is that you want to go.
0: Mm. Final thought for today's episode, and that is who or what are you grateful for? Oh,
1: man, lots. Um, my parents, my health, my family, um, and, uh, just my wife, of course. Um, so, so many so many people along the way so many situations um but uh you know that that would be the, the the key foundation for me of what i'm truly grateful for is is having the family that i had and have uh the health that i've been blessed with cuz since my cancer um you know i've been pretty healthy i had a big health issue this year with my back i had to have surgery but i've i'm recovering from it it's going well thank god um, and it taught me a big lesson about taking your health and, you know, I had a good long run of good health and then you hit that and you realize just how important it is and how grateful you need to be for it every single day that you have it. Uh, and, uh, and and my life and career, you know, I, I started with nothing. I was able to uh, pursue my goals. If I hadn't, you know, I dreamt, in, in At eight, nine years old, I was standing on my couch with a broomstick pretending it was a microphone stand. <laughs> I was yeah. Steven Tyler of Aerosmith or Mick Jagger of the Stones or, you know, the guys in Journey, Don't Stop Believin' or mm-hmm. uh, Sticks, Paradise Theater and all these amazing bands of the time that I just was so into. And and then in my career, I end up working with all of them. And becoming close friends with them and and impacting their lives and careers in a really meaningful way, as they did with mine. And to take that time as a kid and see how it manifested over the years, which was the result of my hard work and sacrifice, um, I'm truly grateful for that because, you know, as, as hard as I worked and as much as I sacrificed, you know, it wasn't a right, it was a privilege. And it has been to serve all of these amazing artists and people um, and make a career out of it and live a dream life. Grateful.
0: David, how do people find you and what are some of the things that you have coming up that people can be a part of?
1: Uh, well, at David Frangioni. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty easy to find. uh is my site. And uh, I'm working on all my different companies. You know, I've just became publisher of Modern Drummer, the world's number one drum magazine, which is a real honor. I have my all-access IDA, which is Inspire and Develop Artists, uh, which I work with up-and-coming artists and help them achieve, you know, unbelievable uh, goals that they have through all of my experience and connections. I have, of course, Frangioni Media and Audio One which are the companies from which I build recording studios, home theaters, and uh, smart home systems at a very high level, including entire facilities on the pro and commercial side to home recording studios for artists and put their theaters and smart home systems together, um, and all of the consulting that I do in both business and technology. So, multifaceted, uh, all of my purposes, uh, you know, I'm, I'm living out every day to the fullest that I can. I'm still promoting my three books that I've written over the last 10 years, including my latest one, Crash, The World's Greatest Drum Kit, which has been a bestseller on Amazon. Uh, and all of these things, just they're all part of escapism. They're all, they are all they look different when because each one of them people have made entire careers and lives out of as opposed mm-hmm. to making entire careers and lives out of all of them combined. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's been natural to do all of them because I love all of these things and they're all – you know they're all my passion and i found ways to integrate them in in a manner that they 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 all work off of each other so they're really not in, even though they're independent lanes in in by definition they're all part of david Frangioni. Joni.
0: they're all expressions of who you are
1: for sure and they've all they all fuel the other so every time i learn even writing the books learning how to write a book has helped me make a record better
0: mhm well, David, I appreciate you being a guest on our show and sharing your life and experiences with us. Um, it's an I honor and privilege I, to be
1: here, and I, I hope that uh, you know the, the listeners out there can learn from our conversation to apply to their own life, and I hope it's been uh, worth their time to listen to us chat.
0: Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can receive all of the latest episodes, featured stand-up and speak-up stories, and ways you can be involved with overcoming odds. Once again, thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you next week.